Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to announce that we are offering trustee training and notary classes for all interesting parties, Monday through Friday. For more details, please feel free to reach out to us at 904-490-0297. Again, that number is 904-490-0297. We can be reached from the times of 9 through five, nine to 5 on Monday through Friday, and you can also reach us 12 to 4 on Saturdays. If you can't reach us there on the line, please feel free to drop us an email at B as in boy, I as in Isaac, D as in David, I as in indigo, I as in indigo, L as in Larry, B as in boy, E as in Edward, Y as in yarn at gmail.com. Again, that email is B-I-D-Z-I-I-L-B-E-Y at gmail.com. And remember, if you're interested in getting your affairs in order, you need to start by getting your mind right. Peace and love, family. Study note, one accounting convention, and practices. This study note includes accounting concepts and conventions depreciation accounting for inventory distinction between capital and revenue basics of accounting. 1.1 Accounting Concepts and Conventions Introduction Financial statements are to be prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. This is because if each organization was to adopt its own principles in the maintenance of accounting records and the publishing of accounting information it will lead to a welter of confusion. Such financial statements will have low acceptability as it will be difficult to understand them without first knowing the principles underlying the preparation of such statements. Also financial statements prepared without the generally accepted accounting principles as their base will be unsuitable for inter-period and inter-firm comparison. It is for this reason that when accounts are audited by the auditors, they see to it that the financial statements are prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles and they also certify that the statements have been prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles. Nature and meaning of accounting principle There is ample confusion and controversy as to the meaning and nature of accounting principle. There is a school of thought which believes that the term principle connotes fundamental belief or a general truth and as such it is incorrect to use this term with reference to accounting because accounting, merely as an art, is only an adoption for the attainment of some useful and beneficial results. Adaptation, inherently, implies the changing nature and, hence, a sharp contradiction to the meaning of the term principle which stands for the fundamental truth there is another school of thought which feels that the term principle means only rule of action or conduct and as such can be very correctly used with reference to rules used in accounting. The American Institute of Certified Public Accountants ACPA, has also supported the use of the word principle in the sense in which it means rule of action. It has defined the principle as a general law or rule adopted or professed as a guide to action, a settled ground or basis of conduct or practice. Pato and Littleton, in order to avoid the confusion as to the meaning of the term principle, have purposely used a new term standards in place of principle. Principles would generally suggest a universality and a degree of permanence which cannot exist in a human service institution such as accounting, financial accounting one accounting convention, and practices. Essential features of accounting principles. Accounting principles are acceptable when they, in general, satisfy the following three basic norms a usefulness b objectivity and c feasibility accounting principles satisfy the first basic feature of usefulness as much as because of these the accounting records become more meaningful and useful to the reader in other words an accounting rule which does not increase the utility of the records to its readers, is not accepted as an accounting principle. Accounting principles is that which is objective in nature. It is said to be objective when it is solidly supported by facts. It is objective when it cannot be influenced by the personal bias and whims. Accounting principles should be such as are practicable. It will be seen that assets in the accounts are recorded at cost less depreciation as against at market price. This accounting principle is practicable and feasible because it does not entail the difficult work of ascertaining the market price of that asset. It does not make it obligatory for the accountant to record all fluctuation in the price of that asset. Kinds of accounting principles To distinguish accounting principles, from the sense in which the term principles is used in physical science, various other terms like postulates, concepts, conventions, doctrines, tenets, axioms, assumptions, etc., 
have been used by writers of accounting theory. Instead of wasting our time to discuss the precise meaning of these generic terms, we should concern ourselves with the significance and importance of these ideas in the practical work of the accountants. However, a slight distinction is made between the two terms concepts and conventions. The term concept is used to connote the accounting postulates, i.e., necessary assumptions and ideas which are fundamental to accounting practice. The term convention is used to signify customs or traditions as a guide to the preparation of accounting statements. The following are the important generally acceptable concepts. 1. Entity concept. 2. Going concern concept. 3. Money measurement concept. 4. Cost concept. 5. Accounting period concept. 6. Dual aspect concept. 7. Matching concept. 8. Realization concept. 9. Balance sheet equation concept. 10. Verification and objective evidence concept. 11. Accrual concept. 2. Financial. Alright, family. Peace and love, peace and love. Um, this is, you know, accounting class. This is actually one of the segments that we use in trustee training. So I'm starting class a little bit early today. Got a lot of stuff to do, so I want to make sure I'm making my efforts um, you know, applicable. In the space that we're listening to right now, what we're looking at is the ability to utilize the accounting concepts in a formidable um, position when it comes to current expected credit loss. For notaries that are participating in arbitration, this is also a very key component to literally be able to um, to, to really substantiate um, a position in terms of what you're utilizing when it comes to um, proper assessment. And these assessments are done to determine net asset value and what we call EBITDA. Um, but again, you're going to discover that if you listen long enough, you're definitely going to learn something. So it's accounting class and or training is designed to help everyone preserve the integrity of their estate. So keep listening, because if you listen long enough, you definitely will learn something. Greetings, greetings, greetings. You are now tuned in live, listening to The Vault. This is episode 254, Account versus Bookkeeper. Definitely appreciate you all for tuning in live, listening to the replay. Always appreciate everybody that tunes in live or listens in the replay. Once again, this is The Vault, 254, Account versus Bookkeeper. Uh, definitely want to do this episode because we get consultations all the time, you know, even trustees. This is like one of the biggest hurdles for entrepreneurs, investors, 100% through and through, is they literally have an issue with, oh, we got to go find an account. We got to go find an account. We got to go find it. Like, that is a struggle for many entrepreneur investors that contact and reach out to the vote. Even trustees, they're like, oh, we got to find an account. First of all, as an entrepreneur investor, it's not legal advice, ladies and gentlemen. This is just business 101. You are responsible for the books. You're responsible for the numbers. As the fiduciary of the business, of the company, you're responsible. How are you managing the books? So let's talk about that. At the end of the day, the accountant doesn't manage the books. The bookkeeper doesn't manage the books. The bookkeeper keeps track of the books. That's it. Accounting, most of the time, on the public side, most of the time on the public side, the uh, accountant usually files the taxes. That's what the accountant usually does. They call them a tax preparer. You can even say the accountant is just a tax preparer. Now, a lot of people want to just pretty much take their business accounts, Appreciate Mississippi for tuning in live, listening to the replay. Always appreciate the love. Appreciate it. So, a lot of people think that the accountant is a tax preparer. They confuse it. A lot of people just give the, the books over to the accountant that they here and say, Here, I need you to go through the bank statements and you go through with a highlighter and you either highlight one is income or one that's a deduction. Okay. 
There's a problem with these type of philosophies. First, that's lazy. Second of all, when it puts the person in that position is they're going to charge you more because now you're giving them tedious work. So we're going to give you a couple hacks in this episode. We're going to give you some tricks of the trade. Because the trick of the trade is, is you have a bookkeeper. All great business people have a bookkeeper. That's the person that's keeping track of the books from month to month. That means from zero or excuse me, uh, day one of the month to whatever day you're going to close the books out. Whether it's the last day or the day before the last, whatever. And they're keeping track of it, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the deal. In our particular practice dealing with diversity trusts, Bezel Bay and Associates, uh, and Diversity Holdings Limited, I utilize a platform called Bitrix. Bitrix is a private, yet quasi-private, social space for business, for implementation, for training, and so forth. But it's really a full working suite. A lot of the individuals that are in Bitrix, once they start to become CISO compliant, they're developing their own platform that they can plug their potential clients into for substantiation and apothecation. Even when it comes down to accounting, my biggest hurdle that I usually run into is trying to get new trustees and notaries to see themselves as the change they want to see because they never really used accounting as a tool, a true tool. It was more like uh, a chore. It's kind of like this. It's like a child who looks at taking out the trash as a chore that he or she is only willing to do if they're gonna be rewarded or get something in return. It's not that they know that the trash piling up in the home is toxic, it's a health issue and it needs to be done. It's a chore because they have to do it and they don't care about that issue. They, they, they care about what they want. So in business, accounting kind of becomes a chore that's really a necessity. See, and until you have been affected by health issues because you let garbage pile up and mold get around and you now have to wear CPAP machine and you know, you're dealing with sleep apnea and you got, you know, respiratory problems and this, that, and the other. When it becomes an issue health-wise, then you take cleanliness, you know, in that regard. But until then, you just kind of, you know, like bumper cars, you bump into it, you back up, and then you keep going. You know, you don't really take in consideration that you can avoid being bumped by simply taking evasive action. A lot of individuals in business don't want to take evasive action. They just want someone else to, you know, you know, if they're not going to change their course, they're going to continue to crash in commerce and they need to be able to be held accountable and hold others accountable because that, as far as their accounting concept is concerned, that's the cost of doing business. You know, I'll give you one. i give you a train wreck that nobody really picks up on until they start doing accounting. See, when you deal in federal reserve notes which are dollars because they will because you're under the illusion because you're in the public you're under the illusion that they're going to give you some sort of um you know cash is some sort of an asset an asset is not an asset if it depreciates in value an asset increases your net worth not decreases your net worth if how are you going to gain wealth in an asset that depreciates daily and you don't have an ability to appreciate daily? So if your ability to appreciate your net worth outweighs the depreciative asset that's used as a medium of exchange, you know, if you are actually gaining more value daily, which you're making it applicable in your accounting to offset the loss value, then you can call to a degree. Uh, once you do three-way reconciliation, cash being considered a an asset. But if it depreciates, it's a depreciative asset, and that's nothing more than a liability. And people are under that concept because cash is king. I'm not saying cash can't be used in commerce. That's on the contrary. What I'm saying, contrarily, there's arbitrary means that you're going to have to use in order for you to properly reconcile all those things that's being done. And I know what a lot of new people are saying. Well, Bazell, that sounds very complicated. I don't want to take out the garbage. Well, let me break this down to you. You can't really be in commerce unless you do accounting before you start transacting in commerce. Because if you practice 
you know, it's just like if you practice ugly habits, you're going to get terrible results. So that's a toxic behavior because, see, here's the deal. If you do the accounting right, you can use debt and all those stuff. There's, you know, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Wealthy individuals are not in debt. They just are in a healthy amount of debt to substantiate their wealth. You know, they're not running from debt. You know, people who are trying to get out of debt are not even part of our conversation. If you're trying to get out of debt, quote unquote, you're trying to get out of debt, then you need to just play it safe, keep a job, and keep your head low. Learn this stuff, and in case something happens, you know, the job ups and leave, somebody perishes or, you know, transitions too early, and, you know, you're in a position where you can, you know, start from somewhere. And that's just my experience, my, my experience and or teachings that I convey to everyone else. Look, this ain't for everybody. You know, being a trustee is, is a lifelong thing. It's not like something you're going to do for six months and then not do it anymore. It's a lifetime commitment to your family and your generations to come. And you got to think that way, you know. And that's how you kind of to look at it. Like, I'm at a tier in my, in my family office now where I'm looking for successors now. I'm looking, I'm literally diligently looking for competent successor trustees. That's my goal. For the next five years, I'll be developing successor trustees for Bezel Bay and Associate Diversity Trust and Diversity Holdings Limited. You know, and I'm looking for a certain skill set. You know, I'm willing to share proprietary information with individuals who are willing to learn to perpetuate their legacy. You know, and that's just my commitment. But I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you the the why and the reasoning. You know, and sometimes people say you don't need to tell everybody that. You know, just they don't. They, their attention span is only, you know, but so long. I'm not going to use what we say in the country, but their attention span is very short. Um, so you got to just not give them all that stuff. You know, they're going to beg you for information, and you only give them the information that they want. If you give them too much, it's like they'll overeat. And so I digress. Remember, if you listen long enough, you just might learn something. They're doing monthly P&Ls. Ladies and gentlemen, you all can do monthly P&Ls on QuickBooks. That's a monthly P&L. You're going to have 12 statements that say income expenses. 12 monthly P&L statements. You can get to the account at the end of the year. They can do a last head check of it. And the taxes are done pretty much, ladies and gentlemen. Because, not the tax, but the accounting is done. Not the tax, the accounting is done. Because it's already been accounted for throughout the year. So one of the things that we tell a lot of trustees. Because they're end up going to get ripped off by these, these accounts. These accounts, they're going to rip you off. They're going to tell you that, oh, we are going to charge you $500 most states that you all are in except for california new york because california new york are just expensive places to do business so california new york they're going to say a lot more than that they could charge you anywhere from 700 to a thousand dollars just do books well you got a bookkeeper to do books you could probably get a good book- bookkeeper and even in those states for 300 dollars. but in most other states you can get a good bookkeeper for less than 400 dollars a month all that person's going to do is from the beginning of the month to the end of the month, they're going to go through that bank statement and they're going to account for what are expenses and what are incomes. Bottom line, what is income? What is an expense? And that month is done. And every month you have a bookkeeper. The bookkeeper is the, the most cost effective way to go through handling the business. That's the route to go. A lot of the trustees and people should be looking for bookkeepers, not accountants. Why? Because... Do you really need an accounting to file a tax at the end of the year? You can give it to a tax preparer. A tax preparer can file it because they have a tax ID now. That's it. That's it. All right. Peace and love. Peace and love, family. Um, today, I'm going to go over the court register investment system, and I'm also going to go over the breakdown of the trust. So I'm saying for everyone that definitely are watching this, pay real close attention <clears throat> because like you always hear me say, if you listen long enough, you just might learn something. So the first thing we're going to go over is going to be the court. Actually, we're going to talk about the trust and then we're going to go into the court register investment system. So let's go. Let's go there right now. 
right, we're gonna talk about the trust. So let me cue this up. All right, man, here with the trust. So literally, I want you to pay pay attention because if you if you pay attention, you won't miss this. All right, dealing with the trust, you gotta understand there's three components with this trust. You have the grantor, trust, and beneficiary. And you're dealing with three aspects of law on this line, on the pub, on the private trust. The private trust, you're always dealing with the republic. You're under common law, and you're dealing with the law of the land. See, in the public trust, which is the corporate United States, you're dealing with the democracy. And democracy is governed under admiralty maritime law and equity. It is also called the law of the sea. So you got the private trust up here public trust down here all right now when you actually start this thing you know you're going to be dealing as the grantor and that means you're the living man slash woman and that's always going to be on the private side of that proponent see how the grantor attaches itself to the trust the grantor the trust and then the beneficiary all right the living man and woman is the grantor next you have the trust that was actually created by the birth certificate, which is the birth certificate applications. See, the application from the birth certificate, which was mom, created a trust, which was created by the birth certificate of the application, which now there is a trustee, a private proponent that's in play here. See how this kind of lines up? Grantor is the living man. It was an application for a birth certificate by mom, which created the trust. Next, when you when they created that trust, that trust actually became a public trust. See, so they created a trust in the public. And the reason why this kind of went in that direction is because the birth certificate applied for was a security filed in the public, bringing the legal title into the public. See, the title to the name, the trust, was actually authenticated by this birth certificate. See how that goes? See how that lines up? Now if I'm going too fast, pause this video, rewind it so you can catch what I just showed you. Accounting. Accounting concepts. Entity concept. It is very important to note that for accounting purposes the business is treated as a unit or entity apart from its owners, creditors and others. In other words, the proprietor of an enterprise is always considered to be separate and distinct from the business which he controls. All the transactions of the business are recorded in the books of the business, though they belong to the proprietor, from the point of view of the business as an entity and even the proprietor is treated as a creditor to the extent of his capital. Capital is thus a liability like any other liability although the amount is owing only to the proprietor. In the case of sole trading and partnership concerns the proprietors may even draw the amounts out, thus reducing the liability of the business. But in the case of corporate bodies, shareholders stand on a different footing. They cannot reclaim the amount they have invested. They can sell the shares to others if they desire to unload their investment. Therefore, in the case of corporate bodies capital is paid out only at the time of winding up, provided surplus assets are available after paying off the creditors. In the case of companies the entity concept is more apparent, as in the eyes of law it has separate legal entity independent of the persons who contribute its capital. The concept of accounting entity for every business determines the scope of what is to be recorded or what is to be excluded from the business books. Therefore, Whenever business receives cash from the proprietor's cash account is debited as business receives cash and capital account is credited, capital account representing the personal account of the proprietor. In the case of corporate bodies since there are too many contributors the amount is shown under a single account called share capital account. In the case of non-corporate bodies there is no separate legal entity. Still the principle of business entity is observed for accounting purposes. For example, although for legal and most practical purposes, we regard the sole trader and his business as one and the same thing, we nevertheless, for accounting purposes, regard them as different entities. Therefore in business, only the business assets and liabilities are recorded although legally there is no distinction between his business assets and liabilities and his private assets and liabilities. Thus, 
the concepts of legal and business entities are not compatible with each other. This is also clear from the fact that in the case of big companies each department may be the base for accounting although legal entity is much larger and covers all the departments. Likewise, in the case of consolidated statements accounting entity is much larger than the legal entity. Going concern concept. This concept assumes the enterprise will continue to exist in the foreseeable future. This is in contrast with another view that the enterprise will be liquidated. According to AS, minus one relating to disclosure of accounting policies, going concern concept is a fundamental accounting. Assumption underlying the preparation of financial statements. Under this assumption, the enterprise is normally viewed as a going concern, that is, as continuing in operation for the foreseeable future. It is assumed that the enterprise has neither the intention nor the necessity of liquidation or of curtailing materially the scale of its operations. This assumption implies the following. I. Assets will be valued on the basis of going concern assumption. In other words, accountants do not record the values of goods and assets which will be fetched if. Financial Accounting 3. Accounting Convention and Practices. A sale is forced. Certain assets which are specific to the particular enterprise may have a very low market value. However, the value of such machines to the business is very great because of its productive potential and contribution to profits. In spite of this accountants prefer to record assets at historical cost rather than adopt value and use approach which is favored by economists. This is because historical cost approach satisfies the test of objectivity and verifiability. 2. Assets are depreciated on the basis of expected life rather than on the basis of market value. This facilitates the allocation of the cost of the asset over the expected period of the life of the asset and dispenses with the periodic consideration of market values. This concept strengthen and support the view that depreciating is a process of allocation, not of valuation. Thus, the going concern concept is the basic to the valuation of assets and the provision of depreciation thereon. Money measurement concept. The money measurement concept underlines the fact that in accounting every worth recording event happening or transaction is recorded in terms of money. In other words, a fact or a happening which cannot be expressed in terms of money is not recorded in the accounting books. General health condition of the chairman of the company, working condition in which a worker has to work, sales policy pursued by the enterprise, quality of products introduced by the enterprise, etc cannot be expressed in money terms and therefore are not recorded in the books. In view of the above condition this concept puts a serious handicap on the usefulness of accounting records for management decisions. This concept has another serious limitation and is currently attracting the attention of the accountants all over the world. As per this concept, a transaction is recorded at its money value on the date of occurrence and the subsequent changes in the money value are conveniently ignored. Cost concept, historic. The underlying idea of cost concept is that, i, asset is recorded at the price paid to acquire it, that is, at cost, and 2, this cost is the basis for all subsequent accounting for the asset. When asset is recorded at cost price is set under point, i, above, the change in the real worth of an asset, for variety of reasons, with the passage of time is not ordinarily recorded in the account books. For example, if a piece of land has been purchased for 80,000 rupees, then its market price, whether 170,000 rupees or 50,000 rupees, at the time of preparation of final statements will not be considered. Thus the balance sheet on a particular date, prepared on the basis of cost concept, does not ordinarily indicate what the assets could be sold for. As an explanation of the point, too, of the cost concept, it can be said that the cost concept does not mean that assets are always shown year after year for an indefinite period at the cost price. The assets recorded at cost price at the time of purchase are systemically reduced by the process called depreciation. These assets ultimately disappear from the balance sheet. When their economic life is over and they have been fully depreciated and sold as scrap. Therefore, in the books assets figure at cost less depreciation written off and are called book. 4 Financial Accounting Values to Distinguish from Their Market Values Which Represent Their True Worth However, in the case of liquid assets like cash and book debts there is no difference between the book values and current market values. Did you know you could fill out your own tax form? And give it to the taxpayer and say, look over it. 
submit it. Why? Because at the end of the day, who's responsible for the books? You are. The preparer is just the person that submits it. So this is why we encourage you all to really make it a point to just minimize the cost. Because we know a lot of people that having issues with finding these accounts. Oh man, I'm having a hard time finding an accountant but because they don't know trusteeship. Now, if people came to the vote and said, we need someone to submit the taxes for the trust, that's not what they say. They say, does the vault provide accountants? Do you all provide accounts? We don't. You want to actually be in contact with those people. You want to be able to put your hands on them if you can. So if you don't want to have all of that cost for an accountant, if your company's not big enough, especially a lot of new companies, even new companies, why not go find a bookkeeper for $100, $200 a month? All they're going to do is go through the bank statement and create a monthly P&L, profit and loss statement. Create the monthly P&Ls. So you have the grantor, which is the living man and woman. You have the public trust that was created from the birth certificate from the application from the mom. And see that, and the ownership of that, you know, or in other words, the birth certificate is actually registered in the public. See, it was all done on the Republic side and then it crossed over into the democracy. You see that? Now, in order for you to be able to utilize this in the private, this is where you're going to utilize the A for V and R for V, except for value and return for value. Why? Because this birth certificate is being used, this trust that was created in the public is being used by the public for welfare, for public welfare in a democracy. And in order for you to actually interact in commerce, you got to be utilizing that accepted for value and return for value, which brings legal title back into the prime. See, when you operate as a creditor, you can actually utilize the A4V and R4V properly through this trust. Started out in a republic, it got converted into the democracy. Once you become a creditor, you can operate using an A4V. R4V, which is accepted for value and returned for value, which brings the legal title back into the private, on the private trust, inside the, this is the private trust. So you actually can utilize this private trust proponent. Next, we have the conduit. So in other words, you got to have the living man who has taken control of that birth certificate in the public. So now you can operate as the trustee of that all capital letter name and he can utilize through HJR 192 the A4V proponent which brings you to the beneficiary status which is your estate which is actually your alien property custodian in other words you're now the custodian over this trust that was created by the birth certificate so you got the grantor the trust and beneficiary see how these things all kind of went together Values. But in the case of other current assets like stocks and investments there may be some difference between the two values but the margin will not be as wide as it will be in the case of fixed assets. In spite of the limitations of cost concept referred to above, accountants prefer this approach to other for the following reasons. 1. There is too much of subjectivity in current worth or market value or realizable value approach. Two. Fixed assets are purchased for use in production and are not held for sale. 3. It is very difficult and time-consuming for an enterprise to ascertain the market. Values. 4. There is objectivity and verifiability and cost approach which is lacking in the other. Approaches. Accounting period concept. Strictly speaking, the net income can be measured by comparing the assets of the business existing at the time of its commencement with those existing at the time of its liquidation. Since life of business is assumed to be indefinite, going concern concept, the measurement of income, according to the above concept, is not possible for a very, very long period. The proprietor of the business cannot wait for such a long period as the determination of income at the end of the life of business would render such a measurement of income useless in as much as it will be too late to take corrective steps at the time, if it is disclosed that the business had all the time being running at a loss on account of certain reasons or business had not been using its fully capacity to make more profits. Thus, he needs to know at frequent intervals how things are going. Therefore, 
Accountants choose some shorter and convenient time for the measurement of income. 12-month period is normally adopted. For this purpose, under the Companies Act and Banking Regulation Act accounts are to be prepared for a 12-month period. This time interval is called accounting period. Dual aspect concept. Financial accounting is transaction-based. Of course, we are only concerned with transactions and events involving financial element. In every type of business there are numerous transactions. If one takes a typical trading concern the main activity is purchase of goods and their subsequent sale at a profit. This involves several transactions like purchase of goods from several suppliers, sales to several customers on cash and credit, payment to suppliers, collection from customers, payment of salaries to salesmen, purchase assistance, payment of rent and taxes, electricity bills, etc. In each of the transactions listed above there are two aspects to be recorded from the point of view of entity. For example, if there is purchase of goods, it involves two aspects, one aspect is the receipt of goods and the other aspect is the immediate payment of cash, in the case of cash purchase, or the acknowledgement of debt to the supplier, in the case of credit purchase. The recognition of two aspects to every transaction is known as dual aspect analysis. Modern financial accounting is based on such recognition of the record of the two aspects of every transaction. The term double-entry bookkeeping has come into vogue because of every transaction two entires are made. One entry consists of debit to one or more accounts and another entry consists of credit to one or more accounts. However, the total amount debited always equals the total amount credited. This balancing of debits and credits is the cornerstone of modern bookkeeping. How this accounting principle operates is illustrated with a few examples. For example, when Manish, the proprietor of the business, starts his business with cash, 40,000 rupees and building 50,000 rupees then this fact is recorded at two places, assets account and capital account. The capital of the business is equal to the assets of the business. This expression can be shown in the form of equation as under. Capital equals assets Manish equals building plus cash 90,000 rupees equals RS 50,000 plus RS 40,000 if the business increases the assets by borrowing 20,000 rupees. Then the dual aspect of the transaction affects the equation as under capital plus liabilities equals assets Manish plus loan equals building plus cash RS 90,000 plus RS 20.000 equals RS 50,000 plus RS 60,000. Matching concept. This concept recognizes that the determination of profit or loss on a particular accounting period is a problem of matching the expired cost allocated to an activity period. In other words, the expenses which are actually incurred during a specific activity period, in order to earn the revenue for the said period must be matched against the revenue which are realized for that period. For this purpose, expenses which are specially incurred for earning the revenue of the related period are to be considered. In short, all expenses incurred during the activity period must not be taken. Only relevant costs should be deducted from the revenue of a period for periodic income statement, i.e., the expenses that are related to the accounting period shall be considered for the purpose of matching. This process of relating costs to revenue is called matching process. It should be remembered that cost of fixed asset is not taken but only the depreciation on such fixed asset related to the accounting period is taken, for the purpose of matching, prepaid expenses are excluded from the total cost but outstanding expenses are added to the total cost for ascertaining the cost related to the period. Like costs all revenues earned during the period are not taken, but revenue which are related to the accounting period are considered. Application of matching concept creates some problems which are noted below. A. Some special items of expenses for example preliminary expenses, expenses in connection with the issue of shares and debentures, advertisement expenses etc., cannot be easily identified and match against revenues of a particular period. B. Another problem is that how much of the capital expenditure should be written off by way of depreciation for a particular period for matching against revenue creates the problems of finding out the expected life of the asset. As such, accurate matching is not possible. C. In case of long-term contracts usually, amount is not received in proportion to the work done. As a result, expenditures which are carried forward and not related to the income received, may create some problems. Realization concept. According to this concept, revenue is considered as earned on the date when it is realized. In other word, 
revenue realized, either by sale of goods or by rendering services, during an accounting period should only be taken in the income statement, profit and loss account. Unearned slash unrealized revenue is treated as earned on some specific matters or transactions. For example, when goods are sold to customers, they are legally liable to pay, i.e. as soon as the property of goods passes from the seller to the buyer. In short, when an order is simply received from a customer, it does not mean that the revenue is earned or realized. On the other hand, when an advance payment is made by a customer, the same cannot be treated as revenue, realized or earned. In case of higher purchase transactions, however, the title or ownership of the goods is not transferred from the seller to the buyer till the last installment is paid. As such, the down payments and the installment received or due should be treated as actual sale, i.e., revenue earned. Balance Sheet Equation Concept The historical cost concept needs support of two other concepts for practical purposes viz. i. the money measurement concept, 2. the balance sheet equation concepts. Accounting processes, however, conforms to an algebraic equation which, in other words is involved in two laws of nature, i.e., the law of constancy of matter and the law that every effect originates from a case. In relation to the former, it may be deduced that all that has been received by us must be equal to, equals, all that has been given to us, in accounts, receipts are classified as debits and giving or sacrifices are classified as credits. Here, the equation comes. Debit equals credit. That is, in other words, every debit must have a corresponding equal credit or vice. Versa. All receipts, referred to above, may again be classified into, I, benefits slash services received and totally consumed, which are known as expenses, 2, benefits or services received but not used properly or misused, which are known as losses, and, 3, benefits or services received but kept to be used in future, which are known as assets. Similarly, in the opposite case, all that have been given by others may also be classified into, I, what has been given to us but are not to be repaid, which are known as incomes or gains, and, 2. What has been given by others but has to be repaid at a later date, which are known as liabilities. Therefore, the above equation may again be rewritten as under. Expenses plus loss plus assets equals income plus gains plus liabilities. Or, asset equals net profit, net loss plus liabilities. Liabilities become due either to outsider or to the owner, viz. The proprietors, in the case. Assets equals net profit or, net loss plus external liabilities plus dues to proprietors. We know that proprietors do increases with the amount of net profit whereas decreases with the amount of net loss. The same is known as equity in the business. So, the above equation comes down to. Assets equals equity plus external liabilities. Again, from the proprietor's point of view, the equation can also be rewritten as under. Proprietor's fund or equity equals asset, liabilities. E equals A, L. From the above, it may be said that the entire accounting process depends on the above accounting equation. Verifiable and objective evidence concept. It expresses that accounting data are subject to verification by independent experts i.e. There must be documentary evidences of transactions which are capable of verification. Otherwise, the same will neither be verifiable nor be realizable or dependable. In other words, AC. Counting data must free from any basic. Because, verifiability and objectivity imply reliability, trustworthiness, dependability which are very useful for conveying the accounting data and information furnished in periodical accounting reports and statements. There should always be some documentary evidences in establishing the truth reflected in the said reports or statements. Entries which are recorded in accounting from the transactions and data which are reported in financial statements must be based on objectively determined evidence. The confidence of users of the financial statement cannot be maintained until there is a close adherence to this principle, invoices and vouchers for purchases, sales and expenses, physical checking of. Stock in hand. Accrual concept. An associated concept to be discussed in the context of matching principle is the accrual system of accounting which is favored by the modern accountants as against cash system of accounting. Under this method revenue recognition depends on its realization and not actual receipt. Likewise costs are recognized when they are incurred and not when paid. 
this necessitates certain adjustments in the preparation of income statement. In relation to revenue, the account should exclude amounts relating to subsequent period and provide for revenue recognized but not received in cash. Likewise, in relation to cost provide for costs incurred but not paid and exclude costs paid for subsequent period. Under the cash system of accounting revenue recognition does not take place until cash is received and costs are recorded only after they are paid. From the discussion it is clear that the matching principle is not followed in the case of cash system of accounting and the operating result prepared on this basis are not in conformity with generally accepted accounting principles. There are hybrid systems of accounting which combine the features of cash and accrual systems and are also recognized by taxation authorities. Under hybrid systems certain revenues may be shown on cash basis while others are shown on accrual basis. Accounting Conventions Convention of Disclosure The Convention of Disclosure implies that accounts must be honestly prepared and all material information must be disclosed therein. The notion is so important, because of divorce between ownership and management, that the Companies Act makes ample provisions for the disclosure of essential information in company accounts. The contents of balance sheet and profit and loss account are prescribed by law. These are designed to make disclosure of all material facts compulsory. The term disclosure does not imply that all information that anyone could conceivably desire is to be included in accounting statements. The term only implies that there is to be a sufficient disclosure of information which is of material interest to proprietors, present and potential creditors and investors. The practice of appending notes relative to various facts or items which do not find place in accounting statements is in pursuance to the convention of full disclosure of material facts. Examples are A. Contingent liabilities appearing as a note B. Market value of investments appearing as a note Business is now increasingly managed by stewards, managers, and they owe a duty to make a full disclosure to the persons who have contributed the capital. Financial accounting while reporting on stewardship, has to make full disclosure. Openness in company affairs is the best way to secure responsible behavior. Because of the wide recognition of this principle now there is an accounting standard which requires the disclosure of all significant accounting policies adopted in the preparation of financial statements, due to the effect of such policies on the financial statements. The accounting principle of going concern. Consistency and accrual are considered fundamental in the preparation of financial statements and need not be disclosed. Only when the assumption is not followed the facts should be disclosed. Apart from disclosure of accounting policies, AS-1 deals with information to be disclosed in financial statements. The concept of disclosure also applies to events occurring after the balance sheet date and the date on which the financial statements are authorized for issue. Such events include bad debts, destruction of plant and equipment due to natural calamities, major acquisition of another enterprise and the like. Such events are likely to have a substantial influence on the earnings and financial position of the enterprise. Their non-disclosure would affect the ability of the users of such statements to make proper evaluations and decisions. Convention of Materiality The role of this convention cannot be overemphasized in as much as accounting will be unnecessarily overburdened with more details in case an accountant is not able to make an objective distinction between material and immaterial matters. American Accounting Association AAA, defines the term materiality as under. An item should be regarded as material if there is reason to believe that knowledge of its would influence the decision of informed investor. Kohler has defined materiality as under. The characteristic attaching to a statement, fact, or item whereby its disclosure or the method of giving it expression would be likely to influence the judgment of a reasonable person. Some of the examples of material financial information to be disclosed are likely fall in the value of stocks, loss of markets due to competition or government regulation, increase in wage bill under recently concluded agreement, etc. It is now agreed that information known after the date of balance sheet must also be disclosed. Another example of materiality is the question of allocation of costs. An item of small value may last for three years and technically its cost must be allocated to every one of the three years. Since its value is small, it can be treated as the expense in the year of purchase. Such a decision is in accordance with the principle of materiality. Likewise, unimportant items can be either left out or merged with other items. Sometimes items are shown as footnotes or in parentheses according to their relative importance. 
It should be noted that an item material for one concern may be immaterial for another dot and similarly, an item material in one year may not be material in the next year. As per AS-1, materiality should govern the selection and application of accounting. Policies. According to the consideration of materiality financial statement should disclose all items which are material enough to affect evaluations or decisions. Convention of Consistency In order to enable the management to draw important conclusions regarding the working of a company over a number of years, it is but essential that accounting practices and methods remain unchanged from one accounting period to another. The comparison for one accounting period with that in the past is possible only when the convention of consistency is adhered to. But the idea of consistency does not imply non-flexibility as not to permit the introduction of improved techniques of accounting. According to AS-1 consistency is a fundamental assumption and it is assumed that accounting policies are consistent from one period to another. Where this assumption is not followed, the facts should be disclosed together with reasons. The principle of consistency plays its role particularly when alternative accounting method is equally acceptable. For example, in applying the principle that fixed asset is depreciated over its useful life a company may adopt any of the several methods of depreciation, viz.com a written down value method, straight line method, sinking fund method, annuity method, sum of years digit method, unit of production method or any other method. But in keeping with the convention of consistency it is expected that the company would consistently follow the same method of depreciation which is chosen. Any change from one method to another would result in inconsistency. In the following cases, however, there is no inconsistency although apparently they make. Look inconsistent. A. The application of principle for stock valuation at cost or market price whichever is lower will result in the valuation of stock sometimes at cost price and sometimes at market price. But there is no inconsistency here because the shift from the cost to market is only the application of the principle. B. Similarly, if investments are valued at cost or market price whichever is lower, it is only an application of the principle. Kohler has talked about three types of consistencies. A. Vertical consistency. This consistency is maintained within the interrelated financial statement of the same date. Vertical inconsistency will occur when an asset has been depreciated on one basis for income statement and on another basis for balance sheet. B. Horizontal consistency. This enables the comparison of performance of an organization in one year with its performance in the next year. C. Third dimensional consistency. This enables the comparison of the performance of one organization with the performance of other organization in the same industry. Convention of conservatism. This is the policy of playing safe. It takes into consideration all perspective losses but leaves all perspective profits. This accounting principle is given recognition in AS-1 which recommends the observance of prudence in the framing of accounting policies. Uncertainties inevitably surround many transactions. This should be recognized by exercising prudence in financial statements. Prudence does not, however, justify the creation of secret or hidden reserves. Following are the examples of the application of the Convention of Conservatism. A. Making the provision for doubtful debts and discount on debtors in anticipation of actual bad debts and discount. B. Valuing the stock in trade at market price or cost price whichever is less. C. Creating provision against fluctuation in the price of investments. D. Charging of small capital items, like crockery, to revenue. E. Adopting written down value method of depreciation as against straight line. Method. The written down value method of depreciation is more conservative in our approach. F. Amortization of intangible assets like goodwill which has indefinite life. G. Showing joint life policy at surrender value as against the amount paid. H. Not providing for discount on creditors. I taking into consideration claims intimated but not accepted as a loss for calculating profit for a general insurance company. J. Considering the loss relating to premium on the redemption of debentures when they are issued at par or at discount but redeemable at premium, at the time of their issue. The principle of conservatism is applied. A. When there is an uncertainty inherent in the activity, for example, uncertainty as to the useful life of an asset, occurrence of loss, realization of income, remaining utility of an asset, estimated liability.
b when there are two equally acceptable methods then the one which is more conservative will be accepted c when there is judgment based on estimates and doubt exists as to which of the several estimates is correct the most conservative would be selected d when there is possibility of the occurrence of a loss or profit losses will be considered and profits will be overlooked this principle has effect on a income statement here the principle results in lower net income than would otherwise be the case b balance sheet when applied to the balance sheet the conservative approach results in understatement of assets and capital and overstatement of liabilities and provisions the principle of conservatism however should be applied cautiously if the principle is stretched without reservations it results in the creation of secret reserves which is in direct conflict with the doctrine of full disclosure since the main aim of published accounts is to convey and not to conceal the information the policy of secrecy is being abandoned in favor of the modern and more logical policy of disclosure All right, family, you're getting the whole perspective of dealing with accounting and understanding just how important it all is and how it all ties in. So let me ask you the question. If you're in business and you're not practicing sound accounting practices and you don't understand that most individuals in commerce are under a certain concept that may have evolved into a certain convention if you don't know the accounting concept and accounting convention that is governing your commercial transactions you're operating a business without a safety net and these accounting concepts and conventions could be detrimental to the livelihood and existence of any existing entity that you may um, have a fiduciary responsibility to so one must have to think outside the box and one must be willing to accept the fact that ignorance of not doing something is no excuse for learning to do it once you've been given the information or you've been um, forewarned or you've been given an opportunity to correct. In commerce, you're expected to be an expert. So if you operate it, contrary to that then you're going to be treated contrary to that that's why there's all these different systems in place what you're going to hear next is going to be dealing with the court register investment system and trust but i trust that this information doesn't fall on deaf ears so remember if you continue to listen if you listen long enough you definitely will learn something stay locked in stay engaged um, you're going to jump into creditors and commerce right now, and you're going to break down the whole court register investment system and the trust. Remember, if you listen long enough, you just might learn something. Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to announce that we are offering trustee training and notary classes for all interesting parties, Monday through Friday. For more details, please feel free to reach out to us at 904 904- 490-0297. Again, that number is 904-490-0297. We can be reached from the times of 9 through five, nine to 5 on Monday through Friday, and you can also reach us 12 to 4 on Saturdays. If you can't reach us there on the line, please feel free to drop us an email at B as in boy, I as in Isaac, D as in David, I as in indigo, I as in indigo, L as in Larry, B as in boy, E as in Edward, Y as in yarn at gmail.com. Again, that email is B-I-D-Z-I-I-L-B-E-Y at gmail.com. And remember, if you're interested in getting your affairs in order, you need to start by getting your mind right. Peace and love, family.